Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 50 of the Money Love Podcast. I have a unique episode planned for you guys today. We are going to talk about eating out. Fun, right? I do get a fair amount of requests for helps, tips, tricks for reining in the spending that you are doing on food and specifically eating out. I know that for so many of us, myself included, it's an area where we feel like we are consistently overspending, right? Like at the start of the month or at the start of our paycheck, we say that we're going to spend a certain amount. And it seems like a lot of the times we blow past that goal. We blow past that number. And like I said, trust me, I have been there so many times, more times than I can even count. For me personally, this is the hardest spending category to stick to and not overspend in. Now, the funny part about this is, is that even as recently as eight months ago, I would have never given advice in this area, let alone record an entire podcast episode about it. I really felt like, well, I get a lot of questions on this, but honestly, like I rarely stick to my eating out budget and I spend a lot of money in this area. So I just don't feel like I'm the best person to speak to this topic and to give advice in this area. But my husband and I went on a little journey earlier this year, which for us really did seem like a journey. And I'm going to tell you about that today. So let me start by explaining what the title of this episode means. 125 days without eating out. Earlier this year, at the very beginning of the year, my husband and I decided to stop eating out, like all together, cold turkey. Absolutely zero eating out for the foreseeable future. Not forever, but at least for a while. And here's kind of what led up to this and why we decided to do this. So, like I said, it was the very beginning of the year. It was like January 3rd. And I remember it was a Sunday. We were just feeling really tired and worn out from the holidays. I mean, I love the holidays, but do you guys ever feel just a holiday hangover? Literally and figuratively, there's so much going on. There's so much food, so much booze, so much socializing, so much putting up decorations and taking down decorations, and there's just so much to do. And then once it's all over, once Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's is over, you just kind of feel really tired and sluggish and you get to a point where you really start to crave a lot of simplicity and a lot of structure. That's how we felt. And that's where we really found ourselves. So leading up to this point, I will say that my husband and I used to eat out a lot, a lot, a lot, at least five days a week on an average week. And we have always been this way for pretty much the decade, almost the entire decade of our relationship. Neither my husband and I, up until this point, particularly enjoyed cooking. My husband is a very, very picky eater. So he really just finds what he likes and he sticks with it. And I'm all about convenience and saving time and energy for both of us being busy and working full time and having a lot going on. So we've always just kind of gravitated to eating out for most of our meals. Now, I will give Ryan all the credit on this one. I kid you not, 
on January 3rd of this year. I only remember the date because I remember it was a Sunday and the world was kind of going back to work the next day. It was the Sunday before the first Monday of the new year. And we were just sitting on the couch watching a movie and Ryan kind of paused the movie and he looked over at me and just out of the blue, he goes, you know, I think we need to stop eating out. And I just stared at him in disbelief for a while. I really couldn't believe the words that were coming out of his mouth. And I was like, okay, well, you mean like cut back on eating out? Or are you saying we should stop completely? And he goes, no, I think that we should just stop completely eating out for a period of time. And then I was like, okay, you mean a week? Or how long are we talking here? And he was just like, I don't know, but at least for the foreseeable future. And my initial reaction at first was like, hell no. There is absolutely no way. There is zero possibility that we can do this. It was just such a drastic change to the lifestyle that we had been living for so long. It really did seem like it was out of the realm of possibility for us. But Ryan was really gung-ho about it, and he felt really strongly about it. And so after a while, I was just like, okay, all right, let's just see if we can do this and see if we can pull this off. But I'm just going to go ahead and fast forward and tell you the result of this is that we ended up going 125 consecutive days without eating out a single time from January 4th to May 8th. So basically four months without eating out one single time. And even when I tell you that, I'm still in disbelief that we did it, (laughs) that we actually pulled it off, but we did. And I will say we broke our streak. Everyone's like, oh, well, what made you eat out? What made you break your streak? We broke our streak when we went to the beach earlier in May. So we ate out while we were on vacation. But from January 4th to May 8th, 125 days, zero eating out. Now, I will tell you, here's why I want to do an episode talking about this. Before we jump in, I want to make this really clear. I am not against eating out, okay, at all. I think that eating out actually gets a really bad rap in the money space, particularly because it's an obvious area where we spend money. And it's also a fairly straightforward area where we can also cut our spending. And I think a lot of people preach that all of your money issues and problems can be simply solved by just stopping eating out or by cutting out your daily lattes. And I've always thought that that advice is just absolute nonsense, but we do hear it a lot. And Because of this advice, if you even want to call it that, that's thrown our way about, oh, just give up your latte and the avocado toast and the appetizers when you go out to eat, I know that a lot of us feel a tremendous amount of shame and guilt when it comes to spending money in this area, when it comes to eating out and spending money. When I think about this topic, I actually think about one of my coaching clients from last year in this area because spending money on food was a big area that we worked on. She actually felt so much shame and so much guilt spending money eating out. And when we dove a bit deeper, we figured out that she just had this belief that in order to be financially successful, in order to build wealth, and in order to be good with money, quote unquote, that she shouldn't be spending money eating out, which simply is not true. That was just her thought and her belief that had formed along the way. But we did coaching in a lot of different areas. But at the end of our coaching relationship, she told me that this area, the work that we did here, was the most impactful for her. The work and the mindset shifts that we did around spending money on food, which on the surface might seem a little silly, but at the end, she was like, 
just this one part of the coaching made it all worth it for me, let alone all the other stuff that we worked on, which was really kind of cool, but kind of surprising for me to hear. Anyways, before we get into the meat of this episode, I just want to make sure that that is so clear. Okay, The purpose is not to say that you should not be eating out or that you should be eating out drastically less than you are or that you even need to do what Ryan and I did and go cold turkey for a period of time. When you are managing your money in accordance to the five spending principles that I teach, which was actually just the last episode, episode 49, there is absolutely 100% room and a place for eating out in your budget. Eating out actually goes into your wants priority, which that is your last priority. But just because it's the last priority doesn't mean you can't spend money there. Remember, it just means that you cover your needs and your debt payments and you pay yourself so that you're being proactive with your finances. And then you can knock yourself out in your wants category with whatever is left over. So this episode is not to say like, hey, you should never be eating out or you need to drastically cut back on the amount of eating out or else you're going to be ruined forever financially. Absolutely not the case. But I will say that what I hear from a lot of you, and this was even true with me, is that this is a budget category where a lot of overspending is happening. For you to be spending so much on eating out that it's actually keeping you from reaching your other financial goals. A lot of people are doing this. It's because their priorities are out of whack, like we talked about last week. So what happens for a lot of us is that the amount of money that we are spending eating out actually keeps us from saving, from paying down debt, from investing in ourselves because we don't have a plan. And that's what I don't want. I know this is true because I have personally experienced so many times where I haven't been able to make the progress towards my financial goals because that money got sucked up elsewhere, namely eating out. So this episode is for those of you who are like, I know that I'm spending way too much money here. I'm spending a lot of money in this category that I didn't plan to spend ahead of time. And I'm also spending this money because I'm bored or I'm tired or it's simply just the easy choice to make. And I know that it's keeping me from being where I want to be at this point in my life financially. That's who this episode is for. So here's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to talk about how to manage your eating out spending category, how to plan for it ahead of time, and how to not overspend in this area. All right, here's where we have to start. Like we talked about in the last episode, I strongly encourage you to have a spending plan for your money. Plan ahead of time where your money is going to be going using your prefrontal power, and this is going to include a grocery line item and an eating out line item. So every month or every paycheck, however often you are doing this, you should have two numbers. I'm going to be spending X on groceries, and I'm going to be spending X on eating out. So for Ryan and I, before 2021, our eating out number was much larger than our grocery number. And then once we decided to stop eating out altogether, it was like, okay, we're going to increase our grocery budget pretty substantially because we're going to be cooking in every single meal. And our eating out budget is now zero. But again, it's like we were planning that ahead of time going into each month, being proactive about it. Now, I don't know what those numbers should be for you. A lot of people are like, well, what should I spend on groceries and eating out and all this sort of stuff? If you ask me that, I won't give you a number because I believe that there are so many factors that vary drastically person to person, situation to situation that will impact those numbers for you. 
And I believe that you are 100% capable of figuring out those numbers for you, depending on your family size, where you live, how much you eat, the quality of food, like if you like to eat organic or you don't really care about that. There's so many things, right? If you've never done this before, though, and you're genuinely just like, I really don't even know where to start to get those two numbers, just spend a little bit of time looking at your past spending and just give it your best guess. Once you have both of those numbers, okay, you're ready to rock and roll. Now, before we get into the tips, I just want to remind you to be tracking your spending. That's one of the five principles that we went through last week. But if you say that you're going to spend $250 for the month eating out, then make sure you're actually tracking what you're spending when you're eating out so that you know where you are in relation to that goal at any given point in time. What your goal is, how much you've spent, and how much you have left to spend. You'll have your numbers. You will track your progress to that number. But then it actually comes to the part where you have to stick to the plan (laughs) as closely as possible. And of course, this is the hardest part, right? With money, the numbers is the easy part, but the psychology and the behavior are the hardest parts. So I'm going to give you my best tips here. A couple of them are going to be tips that you've probably heard before when it comes to being successful at eating at home. I know I had certainly heard them before. Honestly, they are not rocket science, but I will reiterate them here because although we've probably all heard them, I can at least confirm for you that they are in fact helpful tips. Now, usually I start with the thoughts and the feelings part of the model, but we're actually going to do things backwards here in this episode. I'm actually going to start with the more obvious, actionable tips that were the most helpful for me. So what we did in the beginning, if you want to start eating at home more, is I encourage you to take half an hour to sit down and come up with a master list of everything that you are willing to eat at home and that you know that you can make at home. That was the first thing we did. We sat down and we made a list of probably 20 to 25 things that we knew that we would eat. That was our master list. And then what we would do is at the start of each week, we would do this on Sunday. We would sit down, we would reference that master list, and we would go through and we would pick out seven things out of the 20 or 25 things that we were going to eat that week. So by Sunday night, we would have a clear picture of what we were going to eat each night. Now, again, not rocket science. I know that some of you probably already do this as well. I will say, though, that sometimes I hear like, okay, but even though I write it down, I don't necessarily stick to that. And I want to say it's okay to switch things around. There were nights where, you know, let's say we plan to eat tacos and we're like, I don't feel like tacos tonight. Instead, I want to eat what we were going to eat Thursday and we'll eat tacos on Thursday. We kind of moved and we switched stuff around. That's totally fine. I also encourage you to have one to two go-to kind of like don't feel like it meals. Okay. These are the meals that you typically find really tasty and they're not that difficult to make. So if you have a day that's been particularly trying, you really don't feel like eating what you planned you were going to eat, you can just go to your go-to meal. So also you for us, our, we only really have one because again, my husband's such a picky eater, but our go-to meal is Trader Joe's orange chicken and the fried rice. We always have some in the freezer. It's not that difficult to make. We always think it sounds pretty good. So if we had a night where we're just like, you know what, I'm just really not feeling what we plan to eat, we would just go and we would do our go-to meal. So 
that's a good kind of thing just to have in your back pocket when you have those days where you're like, I just don't feel like eating what I plan to eat. Just go to your go-to meal. The next step is just proactively getting everything you need, right? And again, very obvious, do your grocery shopping ahead of the week. Even if you pay extra for grocery delivery to save you time and energy, and even though grocery delivery costs a little extra, I actually think for a lot of people, it probably ends up saving you a lot more than what you're spending because you're not just browsing the grocery store. You can add things to your cart online. You can see the total that's racking up. You can stick within your budget. And again, it's just giving you less opportunity to spend money. Get all your groceries ahead of time, anything that you can prep, prep, anything that you can do to save you time and energy during the week that you can do on a Saturday or a Sunday, do it. So these are all things that we did. Again, these tips are tips that I know I am not the first person to tell you these things. So I said, this is not rocket science, but I will say that these were helpful for us and they are actions that will make your life easier during the week when you're trying to be better about eating at home. They will absolutely remove some of the obstacles and the resistance that you'll face They're going to save you time and energy, which is important because your brain is incredibly lazy. Your brain hates work. It wants to conserve energy. So setting up your environment ahead of time for success in this area, it's important and it definitely helps make things easier. But like I always say, the actions that you take are simply just 10% of it. It's really just the tip of the iceberg. A little small piece of the iceberg that sticks out up above the water, but you know that underneath the surface of the water is the remaining monster 90% of the rest of the iceberg. And those are your thoughts and your feelings. And I hear a lot like, oh, you know, even when I plan it out ahead of time, and even after I've bought the groceries and I've prepped all the food, I still don't do it. I still just end up, you know, driving through Waterburger, driving through Chick-fil-A on my way home because I'm exhausted and it just sounds so much better and easier than what I was going to make. And we make all sorts of excuses. We're like, I don't want to do the dishes, it's too much work, blah 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 blah, reason reason reason. So, let's talk about that part, right? That is the hardest and the most challenging part. I really want to give you advice for the things that became most helpful for me in this area, going from somebody who was consistently eating out five to seven days a week to not eating out for four months straight. I want to start by telling you that the thoughts that you think about eating and cooking at home, the emotions that you feel about eating and cooking from home are the most important part. So let's start with your thoughts. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I talk about something called your self-concept a lot. And many times we talk about your self-concept in relation to money. But you also have a self-concept when it comes to your ability to eat at home and also how much you enjoy eating at home. And I say that because the self-concept that I had of myself as someone who cooks at home and eats at home was essentially non-existent. Now, just to recap, in case you haven't heard me talk about this, your self-concept is the thoughts and the beliefs that you think about yourself. You have a self-concept around yourself and money. You have a self-concept around yourself and your career. 
you also have a self-concept about cooking and eating at home, (laughs) believe it or not. Before this 125-day journey, my self-concept of eating at home sounded a lot like this. It was like, I hate to cook and I'm really not good at it. I just prefer to eat out. I'm just not up for it. I don't have time for it. And I definitely don't have the ability to do it all. All that's involved with it, the cooking, the cleaning, the shopping, all of it. I just, I can't. Your self-concept is so important because the beliefs and the thoughts that you have about yourself are the most important and influential thoughts that you think. If you actually remember a couple episodes ago, I told you that your brain loves to be right about things and it's going to work incredibly hard to make sure that the thoughts that you are thinking and the beliefs that you have are proven true. So for me, I was constantly having thoughts like, oh, well, I just hate to cook and I'm really not good at it. Like I just prefer to eat out. I just don't have the time. I'm not up for it. And because I was constantly thinking those thoughts, because that was my self-concept, of course, my brain was always finding evidence to point to to reinforce those beliefs because, again, it wanted to be right about those beliefs. Now, you may have some of the same thoughts about yourself and you might be like, but Paige, those actually don't seem like thoughts or beliefs to me. They seem like facts. Like, I actually really don't enjoy cooking. I'm really not good at it. I genuinely do prefer to eat out rather than eating at home. And that's fine if that's what you're at right now. I totally understand that. I was there. My brain offered me all of those beliefs as well in a very factual way. But I want to challenge you that if you are someone who wants to cut back on eating out, you have to start by evaluating your self-concept in this area and just kindly point out to your brain that these are just all thoughts and beliefs. And it's important to do this because if you want to create a certain result in your life, but your self-concept is in direct opposition to the result you want to create, then it's actually going to be really challenging to create that result. So then it's like, okay, well, what can we do? Well, we have to start by evolving our self-concept to be something that serves us better in the area that we're trying to change. And I want to say you do not have to go from night to day. You don't have to go from, I hate cooking, to, oh, I love cooking. You can actually come up with, try on, and practice new thoughts that will get you moving in the right direction. You can try practicing a bridge thought, a transition thought, like, I'm working on becoming a better cook. You can also ask yourself amazing questions like, how can I become a better cook while also having fun at the same time? So bridge thoughts, transition thoughts, and asking yourself amazing questions are all really good tools to start moving you in the right direction. I'm not going to say more about it here because I don't want this episode to be an hour long, but I will point you to episode 11 that's titled How to Believe New Things, where we talk about this concept of bridge thoughts, and episode 47, which just came out two weeks ago, which is titled The Power of Questions. Both of those episodes walk you through really helpful tools that you can utilize here. So just go back and listen to those episodes. But the last thing with the thoughts that I want to point out is this, is that so many times we think that we can't think thoughts or have beliefs that we don't have evidence for. We think that the order goes, get the evidence, and then we can have the belief. But in fact, what a lot of people don't realize is that it really works the other way around. It's really think the thought, 
And then you get the evidence, right? Because your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings drive your actions, and your actions create your results. So by thinking the thought, by having the belief of who you want to be, of what you want to achieve, actually will help you create that result instead of you waiting to have the evidence first and then forming the belief. You have permission to think thoughts and have certain beliefs about things, even if there is zero evidence to support it. So much of this battle is managing your mind, you guys. Thinking thoughts and having beliefs about yourself that are going to help you create this result. The active management of your mind. Coming off cruise control and not letting your caveman brain run the show anymore. I want you to come into your prefrontal power and I want you to take back control. And again, I will say, we don't have to go to la-la land. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm just going to tell myself that I love doing something that for the past 30 years, I've pretty much thought that I've hated. But it's also the notion of we can look at this in a much different way and honestly, in a much more constructive way than we have been. So instead of thinking, I hate cooking, you could think cooking for myself isn't necessarily my most favorite activity, but it does allow me to be healthier and wealthier than when I'm eating out all the time, right? Like that's so much better than just like, bah, I hate cooking. I'm giving you guys a lot of tough love in this episode, but I hope you know it's because I love you and I know you're capable of doing this. But the last thing I want you to hear is that you have to call BS on your own brain. Your brain is going to tell you that you don't have the time. Your brain is going to tell you that you don't have the energy. And none of it is true. None of it. My brain told me the same thing. I think I'm busy. I think I get tired and run down probably just as much as the average person. But when I chose to quiet and to not listen to those thoughts, that is when I was able to create a result of cooking dinner for 125 days straight. And that is something I literally never thought I could do, but I didn't get there through meal prepping and grocery delivery. Again, yes, of course, those things helped, but being mentally mature and not letting my brain talk me out of creating this result that I set out to create was the biggest part of it. Now, that's the thought piece. Let's talk about the emotion piece of this because I do have a really helpful tool that was a game changer for me that I think will help you as well. When you are making a change to your normal routine, whether it is a big and drastic change like what we did, or even if it's a small one, even if it's you just saying that you want to eat out one less night than what you're typically used to doing, you are going to feel resistance. It's not going to feel good. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You are breaking a routine. You are breaking consistency and consistency, whether it's good or bad, whether the thing that you're consistently doing is something you want to be doing or not, it's something that your brain has become accustomed to. And if you change that up, your brain is going to fight you every step of the way. It's literally what your brain has been designed to do. So please hear me on this. If you feel discomfort or some sort of negative emotion, it is okay. Nothing has gone wrong. Discomfort does not mean abort. And in fact, when you are trying to make a change to your routine, whether it's eating at home more, working out more, changing your work schedule, checking your bank account in the morning, whatever it is, a helpful thing to do is just to plan the discomfort ahead of time. So here's what I did. In the beginning, I planned on being in discomfort when it came time to cook dinner. 
I planned on my brain in the beginning most nights just being like, I don't want to do this. It's too much work. This is going to be too hard. I'm not good at this. Whatever, whatever. Like all those default caveman brain thoughts that I knew that my brain was just going to start firing at me. I just planned for them to be there ahead of time. I planned for that discomfort to come over me. I planned to not feel like it. And for many of us, the second that we feel some sort of resistance or discomfort, we take that as a signal to stop and abort the plan. When you're driving home from work and you're just like, oh, I'm so tired. It's been such a long day. I just don't feel like it. A lot of people just listen to those thoughts. It's like, okay, well, if that's the case, we'll just go to Chick-fil-A. But I want you to know that it's also an option not to make the discomfort mean anything. You can still follow through on your plan despite the uncomfortableness that you may feel. And when you plan for the discomfort ahead of time, when you know that it's coming, then when it happens, it's not so jarring. It's not so surprising. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah. I knew this was going to happen. I knew I wasn't going to feel like it. And so what? Just because I don't feel like it in the moment, which I pretty much knew was going to happen, does that mean that I'm then going to break the promise that I made to myself because of this discomfort? When you present it that way, it's kind of like, well, no. When you plan for it happening and then it happens, (laughs) it's actually not that big of a deal. Now, there is something cool about this is that the hardest part is just the beginning. In the beginning, the discomfort will be the strongest, your brain will fight you the hardest. When we started this for the first two to three weeks, there was a lot of discomfort when it came time to cook dinner, but I planned for it. I was expecting the discomfort. And then when it happened, I would just kind of acknowledge it and then excuse it. Like, oh, I knew you were going to be here, but we're not really going to invite you in to stay. As more time goes on, And the more that you follow through and the more that you do the thing that you said that you were going to do, the discomfort actually starts to have less power over you. It starts to lessen and not be so strong. Why? Because each time you follow through, you give your brain another piece of evidence, another breadcrumb that it can pick up and be like, oh yeah, we can do this. Cooking isn't so bad. Hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm getting better. I'm losing some weight. I do feel healthier. Like this isn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be. And I will tell you that by the end of that 125-day journey, there was almost zero resistance to making dinner every night. I won't say completely left. There were some days and some nights where I felt it a little bit, but it was a small fraction of what it was at the beginning. So if you plan on the discomfort ahead of time, if you know that it's going to be there, if you just acknowledge it, and then you just kind of send it on its merry way, it makes it a lot easier. Discomfort does not mean abandon yourself. You can do something even if you don't feel like it. We do stuff all day, every day that we don't necessarily feel like doing. We brush our teeth. We wash our clothes. We go to work. We wash our dishes. We feed our pets. Not because we necessarily feel like it, quote unquote, but because we know that it's in our best interest to do so. And cooking at home can be the exact same. If you don't feel like cooking, tell your brain, so what, right? Like, what else do I do every day that I don't necessarily feel like doing, but I do it anyway? I want to end with this. If you're like, well, what should I do? Like, should I just try to inch my way there? Or should I do what you did and make a really just super drastic change? 
I want to say that that decision is really up to you and what you think will be most helpful for your own individual personality. My husband and I actually do really well living in the black and the white. We're more abstainers than moderators. Like if we're doing something, we're doing it. If we're not doing something, we're not doing it. And we just know that that's what works best for us, making those drastic swings. But I know that that doesn't work well for a lot of people. I will say, though, that one benefit of this strategy is that when you say, like, I'm absolutely not going to do something, even if it's for a day or a week, doesn't have to be for four months, you really remove that room for negotiation with yourself. And that was helpful for us, especially in the beginning, to really balance things out of just doing a really stark reset for a period of time. But yes, I realize that that might not be best for some of you. And another option is absolutely just making small, gradual tweaks until you get to where you want to be, until you get to the point where the amount of eating out that you're doing every month is aligning really well with the financial goal that you set, and you're not blowing past that number every month, right? That is absolutely an option. If you're eating out four nights a week and you want to get to one to two, then just start by doing it three nights a week. Do that for a couple of weeks, then move to two nights a week. Do that every week. Just gradually work your way to the result that you want. But remember is that your actions will help, but the real magic is going to happen underneath the surface of the water with your thoughts, with your emotions, and creating the results that you want despite the discomfort that you may feel. We are all capable of doing that. I'm telling you, y'all, if I can do this, you can do this. If I can do it, anyone can do it. This is a result I truly thought I would never in a million years be able to create, but I did. And I'll give you a little bit of an update. So we went to the beach, we kind of broke our streak, we came back. And at this point, we are eating out occasionally, but now our eating habits are reversed. So before we were eating out five to seven nights a week, cooking at home the rest of the time. Now we cook at home five to seven nights a week and we eat out the rest. And it's funny because I actually prefer it this way. I actually really have grown to enjoy cooking. I've gotten so much better at it. I've really increased my confidence in this space. I mean, before my brain wanted to convince me that I could never do this and that I could never live my life this way, but I showed myself that I could. And Again, going back to that self-concept, my self-concept has changed so drastically since the beginning of the year in this area. I practiced new thoughts. I anticipated and planned for the discomfort to be there. And I followed through even when that discomfort came and knocked on the door, which doing what I said I was going to do gave my brain new evidence to point to. And I was able to create a result I never thought was possible for me. And you can absolutely do the same thing. All right. So that's what I have for you guys this week. I know it's a little out of the norm. We don't really talk about things like this a lot, but I do hope that you enjoy it. If you found it helpful, please don't be shy about sharing it on social media, tagging me on Instagram, Paige L. Pritchard. And if you have two minutes, please do not hesitate to leave a five-star review of the podcast on iTunes. I love you all so much. Have an amazing week. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. 
It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.